Okay, uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm not um, overtly used to public speaking, so you'll have to bear with me as we go. Um, but I would have to give you a little bit of background about who I am. Obviously, Robert's kind of been there, done that, but to give you a bit of background, um, like I said, this is my wife and, and four children over here. Um, I became a Christian in 1995, so that gives you a little bit of leeway in terms of how old I might be. Uh, as you look at children and think about when I got saved. Um, like I say, I've known Robert and Ephraim for quite a long time, kind of in and out, as he's alluded to. And um, it's a privilege. You know, obviously, I know that I'm very conscious that when people come to church, because the first thing they say is, oh, it's a privilege to come and be able to speak at this church and all the rest of it. But um, it is a privilege. You know, obviously, knowing Robert and knowing Ephraim and knowing a couple of other brothers here that I've known uh, over the years, uh, it is a privilege to be able to share God's word and to share, um, you know, what the Lord has spoken to my own heart that, you know, Lord willing will be of edification and encouragement and exhortation to, to everybody who's here. So I'd just like to say greetings in Jesus' name. So um, uh, if possible, I'd like to pray again. Is that okay? And uh, before I get into what we plan to share. So, oh, Heavenly Father, um, as I come here amongst your people uh, this morning, Lord, I truly acknowledge, Lord, that there's a great responsibility in sharing your word and an accountability before heaven and before your people. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that your grace will be sufficient, simply as my brother has already alluded to, to share your word in a spirit of meekness and humility, but yet uh, with uh, passion and enthusiasm. And may you do individually by your spirit into the heart, corporately and individually as you desire, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so to give you a bit of a, a, a background, um, Robert kind of asked me to speak because um, recently um, I went on a, a missions trip uh, to the Niger Delta. So how many of you are from Nigeria, first of all? Any Nigerians in the house? Okay, so quite a few Nigerians. I knew you, I knew you were, yeah, yeah. Uh, anybody from the actual Delta, the Niger Delta? Oh, okay, so... Okay, okay, so you, you're going to know what I'm talking about. So, um, so we went on a missions trip uh, in October, uh, October the 9th, uh, if I be, uh, correctly believe. Um, uh, but I'm going to show a couple of videos. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background, first of all, of what the mission is about. And then secondly, what um, happens within the mission. Just so it gives you a bit of context of who's this random guy talking about a random mission that we don't even know about. So that's just to give a bit of context. And then afterwards, just a few photos about when we were actually there ourselves during the course of the, um, the eight days that we were there. And then also, kind of, there was a bit of a twist uh, to the tale while we were there. And, um, you know, what the Lord, uh, you know, as Robert's asked me to do, really, is to share what the Lord has spoken to my own heart through the experience. Uh, and then also talk to you about the aftermath of what's happened after the experience. Um, so that's really what... Um, I'm here for this morning, and may the Lord have his way, so is that okay? Okay, cool. So, thankfully, me and technology uh, haven't really got married yet, so uh, Robert seems to have a very good relationship with technology, so he's going to be helping me out this morning. Go, so, you, I don't know if you want to run the first, the first video. So, this is just going to be a, literally a bit a three-minute video about what the mission is, and what it does, and, and where...
That's right, just to sit there while it's on. Okay, so that just gives you just a little bit of an insight of what the mission is about. So, you know, I have to just fill in just a little bit. Uh, there's, um, the, the people who founded the mission are uh, a couple that I'm very close to called David and Shirley Donovan. Okay, so they're people that um, I've, we've known for about four or five years. Um, and they, 14 years ago, about 15 years ago, the Lord really put it on their heart as they were listening to a message. And they went down to the Delta uh, and we're talking about in the creeks. So we're not just talking about in the, obviously the local city areas. We're talking, as you know, bro, just like in the depths of the swamp areas. So they, there's no means for medical care in any way, shape, or form. Obviously, um, the the culture in and of itself is void of God. And even though there's a strong, for those who are Nigerian here, obviously there's a strong emphasis on Christianity in a lot of the communities. The gospel in and of itself is not really a gospel that is one that is in, aligned to God's word. And therefore, people's practice never follows suit in terms of what's being preached. And in the local communities, just generally in the, villi in the village areas, in the, sw uh, the swamp areas, it's even more base. And obviously, with the oil situation, all the rest of it, it creates a quite hostile environment. 
But obviously, they, as two white people as they are, they went into that environment and basically give their lives and their finances. And he was very rich, you know. He gave, basically sold everything up and basically gave his life, or they have given their lives to work with the people there in the Delta, uh, to set up a mission station, as you've seen, um, to help, obviously, the practical medical needs of the people. But more importantly, to sincerely and have a main core focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached and having sincere conversions with sincere discipleship that follow suit thereafter. Every single person you see as part of that mission, he alluded to the 25 people that were there working his mission, uh, within the mission. If any of them morally fail, they're, at, they're off the mission. So like for, there's been a couple of them, and maybe obviously we know there's a big issue in the, in the, in the Delta with sexual immorality. So if anybody falls short in that area, they're missing. They're cut off from the mission and they're not allowed to return. They can be forgiven, obviously, in Christ. But in terms of witness and testimony being part of the mission, they cannot be a part of the mission because it will destroy the testimony of Christ and what they're about in that area because it's very important to maintain a pure testimony in the midst of that environment. So I'm just giving you a bit of context. So the next video is just going to be another short video just giving you an idea of the activity that actually happens within the mission. So I'll let you run that. Is that all right, bro?
Okay, so that just gives you a, a, a bit of an idea of some of the actual medical attention that happens at the clinic. Now, bearing in mind, all these people who were trained workers there, they would have known nothing about healthcare. So they're obviously, you have to be a Christian, obviously, to work as part of the mission. But they would, they've, over the 14 years, they have labored and trained those people, first of all, primarily in the faith, to make sure that they have uh, lifestyles that are beyond reproach to the local community. And secondly, that obviously they hand out the practical medical care that is needed for that community in those creeks. So um, they've trained them up from scratch. Do you know what I mean? So it's amazing, obviously, when I went there just to see um, the amount of dedication. I mean, for the first six months when they get recruited, obviously they have a go through an interview process because lots of people want to work for them because they see the Christian testimony that's amongst the community. So... What happens is that they come, but they're not allowed to, they don't get paid for, um, well, initially it was for a year. So if you're going to come and join the mission, you would receive no money for a whole year. So just to see, to make sure that the testimony and the reasons why they're joining were sincere. Uh, and then after that, that testimony is given, then they would be able to get paid. And they don't get paid a lot, obviously, enough obviously to sustain them and to keep them. Um, because there are just two of them. So the mission is not funded by a whole heap of people. He's used all his resources to supply this mission with the finances. And obviously, if people d uh, feel led to donate and all the rest of it, then naturally those donations can help and support the mission. So that's just to give you a bit of context. Um, so I'm just going to show a couple of photos of basically when I actually went in October. I'll talk through some of the things that we were do uh, doing during the week. Um, so I might get Robert just to stop and just to let you know. So... Um, Bro, you know, obviously, the Delta, we, we, we came in at Port Harcourt, um, and then we were, well, I'll let you just play the photos, bro. So, um, this is day one we arrived, so, um, that's the, the, uh, the, the airport at Port Harcourt, um, that's it done up. Because obviously, you know, the other they have issues of finishing buildings out there. So this is just a hotel where we say, "Can you just stop it? Pause it, bro." Is that okay? Just to give, so just to give you an idea, David and Shirley are the two here on the end, the one with the bald head and his wife on there. So they're the ones that started the mission and have been doing the work. Uh, the young lady with the glasses, she came over like myself for the first time. She's an optometrist, so he, she basically works at Specsavers, and the whole point is. Uh, for her to come over was the gentleman with the glasses and the, uh, also with the white hair. He's also uh, got, uh, an optometrist and he also has a mission work in the Congo that he's been doing for 14 years as well. So the whole point was uh, that we would do more training with some of the brothers over there of how to um, basically help people to do glasses to see and all the rest of it. So that was the purpose for them to come over. Obviously, that, uh, David and Shirley's purpose was to continue to, 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 to shape, to train, and the workers over there. And my purpose really was, uh, was from a teaching point of view. So I would go over, do some teaching with the young men, um, and just support and encourage them. Do you know what I mean? It's a different face. So that was kind of my purpose for going over. Uh, the, the brother uh, with the green T-shirt at the back, his name is Victory, and he is a very godly brother. He's been with the mission for the whole 14 years. Uh, he's a faithful believer. He's the superintendent of the actual mission there. So, um, I mean, this man lives actually on the creeks. Uh, he's been robbed repeatedly, everything taken from him, and he's still dedicated to leading and governing the other workers there and then the mission there. He's an incredible brother, and he's so meek and mild, do you know what I mean? 
he gives even uh, brother brother Robert a run for his money. So um, so so yeah, that's that's just to give you an idea of the team. Uh, so sorry, bro, you're going to carry on. Um, So, um, okay, so this is obviously, we're just on the way now, we're from, the, the, we're coming from the, um, the hotel and we're going over to where we need to go to the creek, so where we go with the boat, so I'm just giving you a bit of an idea of the road conditions, so you don't really get anywhere in a hurry, um, um, so yeah, this probably goes on for a minute or so, but uh, obviously also with these, as, as some of you already know, there's police checks and uh, every two miles you have a check. Really, it's, it's a money check, so I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but you've got people who also falsify themselves to be the police, and sometimes they're just literally uh, looking to kidnap, do you know what I mean, or, or for ransom and stuff like that. So this obviously is one of the checks, so um, I got encouraged to put my phone down, so I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because obviously where we're going, apart from David and Shirley, they've never seen white people in this particular east. In the creeks, they've never seen white people at all. So if to see a, you know, a white person is a big deal, do you know what I mean? So um, obviously this is when we're, we're going over the creeks now, and we're just going to actual where the clinic is. So the, the, there's always a greeting of the workers there, just to greet us, so... I mean, just to give you a bit of an idea, they're not all, they, they work on a two-week-on-two-week-off basis. So there's, the only time that all of them will be together is when David and Shirley will go over and do this type of trip. Usually, there'd only be like four of them there at a time. So they'll do two week, or eight of them there at a time, two weeks on, two weeks off. So. That's my bed. That's where I'll be staying. Um. And this is just a facility um, of where we were staying. Um, we, we didn't want to put a, a wall. The wall had only recently just been put there. David had never wanted a wall there because it, it seems it's like it was segregating ourselves from the people. But they had to, for insurance reasons, we had to put a wall there. So this is just the building where we're staying. So. You got some volume on that, bro. I think I'm. Sp- Part of my interview skills, they got much to be desired, so. Twelve to seventeen, I think. It's uh, three years. Is it four? 
framework of how the days would work so every single morning at seven o'clock we have devotions so we'd get all, all of us would get together we'd have devotion we'd have worship we'd have we'd always come around God's word and there'd be some obviously encouragement for for the day that was ahead and then we'd obviously all have different tasks that we'd have to fulfill in regards to the, the mission at that time so sorry sorry brother <laughs> Oh, these are just the kids of the local village. But the thing is, what's amazing about these kids is that there's a school there, there's a school grounds, but obviously the school grounds are, are, are in a bad condition. But they turn up every single day with a school uniform on for school, but there's never no teacher there. Because no one, no one pays the teachers, so the teachers don't want to work because they don't get paid. But every single day, they still turn up with their uniform, hoping to be taught. No, so. Obviously, this is just a local village. Should we go and talk to the people? Obviously, share, share the Lord as the opportunity presents itself, so. And this is just uh, Alana and Ian, as they were doing, uh, obviously some of the local community was coming in and they were having their eye tests. But there were these guys here, were all being trained, they were doing exams, so they were going to have, like, they had paper exams, and they obviously had the actual practicals, uh, and they would have a test at the end, which they had to pass to show that they were accredited to be able to do the work efficiently. Uh, that's Pete. I'll tell you a little bit more about Pete later on. Um, and uh, the gentleman here, uh, the, the black guy with the white T-shirt and the one with the green T-shirt, they're pastors of the local community. The one with the white T-shirt on is one of the pastors that's not necessarily connected to New Foundations directly, but they've known him for so long, he's somebody who actually directly uh, uh, edifies and, and comes in and teaches the people of the mission, so... Uh, yeah, so there's some, again, some of the workers and some of the local pastors uh, from the area. I see the gentleman with the black T-shirt in the middle. He's quite an interesting character. He's part of the mission. He's been there. His name is uh, Appeal Court, and he's been there for the 14 years as well. But, like, I've never met such an English uh, Nigerian in my life, man. I mean, he'd always ask David for the Daily Telegraph. You know, he had to bring the Daily Telegraph over each time, so he's a character.
Uh, this is one of the local villages we went to see where we had a meeting because we were building another clinic uh, in this particular community down about an hour down the creeks. So we were just going to have a meeting with them. So this is obviously when we were uh, turning up on the boat. I was mad ill that day, man. I was so ill. Um, so that's just, just, again, just turning up um, at the community. And this is when we had a meeting. So um, the other house, that particular house, was a, a gentleman who was a, one of the f few people. He made it out to be a lawyer, and it was quite well known in the community and quite re you know, respected. So he was the, the chairman of the community. Okay, so you want to can you pause it there, Rob? Is that okay? Okay, so this is the last day. So just giving you a bit of an insight in terms of what happened. So it leads me on to what I wanted to share, really. Uh, some of you may or may not be familiar with... Um, the particular story anyway. Um, so the, the, the mission trip was going, you know, well, you know, well in terms of whatever you determine well to do. We, we went there to, 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 to encourage the people there and to, to share Christ with them and within the communities. And obviously, David and Shirley went to do some training and all the rest of it, as I alluded to. Uh, so this is, thankfully, Jerusalem and Shakespeare, who the two guys in the middle. And Jerusalem's an amazing brother, man. He's been saved only a year, this gentleman in the middle. And uh, he got, he was a, a street fighter uh, always in fights and in gangs there in the community. And God radically changed his life. I mean, literally radically changed his life. He got saved, and he's the most gentle, gentle brother now. He, he's, his ability to learn is incredible. He's learned how to do optician work and do all that. So people go for university for three years to do it. He learned it and got 81% uh, uh, on his test in three days. What people take... Three years to do. That's what I'm saying. And the spirit in which he did it is incredible. So he's just an amazing brother. Not just academically, but the spirit of the guy and the gentleness of the guy is incredible. And I'll t uh, come back to, to him and, and, and what's happened afterwards. So, so my point being is what happened. So on the last night, the brother here with the glasses with the white hair, um, he's somebody I've known for around about two years. And he is, again, I'm not just saying this because it's the right thing to say. He is a, a, a real man of God, gentle, uh, meek, a real passion for Christ's church, and a real passion for the church to live in a way that is honorable towards God. Um, so as we, we spent a night, we stayed up until about, we, we had a celebration we night, we handed out the certificates and then we stayed up, and me and him just stayed up and we really just had a heart to heart, you know, we, he shared his life with me and, you know, we, we had a bit of a cry, we had to pray. And um, he was just that type of brother who you were able to do that with. You know, the type of people you just can't but share, can't but, but share your heart with. Um, so that happened uh, about, we went to bed about, about quarter to 12. So uh, quarter to one, we, uh, the, obviously the area uh, has a generator. Um, we uh, heard, um, I was woken up by some banging, some quite heavy banging. And um, I realized when I woke up that the generator had been turned off. And basically, we were uh, everybody who was there apart from me, uh, out of the, the people, were, were kidnapped uh, by, um, well, obviously by some people from the community there. So um, to give you a bit of context, um, naturally kidnapping within that area, as you know, bro, is... It's, it's commonplace, do you know what I mean, for, for ransom. So um, um, 
we were broken up, broken up. I was woken up to, to the banging. I didn't realize we were being, I, I could realize that something was wrong, do you know what I mean? But I didn't realize we were being broken in because we were going to be taken. Um, so, um, what I'm about to share with you in terms of, right now, I'm going to, I'm going to give you more details about what happened after that in the context of my message, really. Um, but Robert asked me to share what the Lord's taught me through it all. And uh, I had to have a long time to, 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 to ponder because Ian, uh, th- four, th- all four of them were kidnapped and I, I wasn't, okay? Uh, and the brother, the, the brother that Ian lost his life, he was shot and killed um, on the, the first day of captivity. So, um, and there's a testimony behind that as well, which I'll show a video with at the end. Um, so the message I wanted to share, which I think is very important, um, and the Lord's put on my heart, um, you had to put, is um, he comes as a thief in the night, but I'm not talking about Satan. I'm talking about the Lord. That's what I'm saying. The Lord comes as a thief in the night. So, so um, this is something that the Lord's put on my heart. First of all, to, to edify to, and to encourage, but also to exhort us as the people of God. Do you know what I mean? Um, so if you could turn in your Bibles to me, the, the kind of the, 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 the text that I wanted to share uh, or, or base what I wanted to share on is from Matthew chapter 24. Okay. And we're going to be reading from verse 36 to 51. Um, I'm going to be reading from the uh, King James Version. Um, so I'll, I'll just read if that's okay. But of the day and the hour, no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. Be, sorry. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day of Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came, and he took them all away, so that also the coming of the Son of Man, so, sorry, so the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, and one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. But know this, that in the, uh, if the good man of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Who, when, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord has made ruler over his household and given them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him doing Verily I say unto you, that he, be, uh, that he that shall make him ruler over all his goods, but, and if the evil servant saith in his heart, My Lord, he delayeth his coming, where are we at? And shall begin to smite his servants, his fellow servants, and eat and drink with the drunkard or the drunkards. The Lord of the servant shall come in that day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. And he shall cut him asunder and a portion, appoint him a portion with the hypocrites, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of, of teeth. 
So that's obviously, it's a hard text. And I remember a brother saying to me one time, what if Jesus actually meant everything he said? I mean, what if he did? I mean, that's the question I have to ask, I ask myself, you know. And I come uh, to share a word that, to be honest, the Lord's put on my heart for a long time. Um, but it, it's to encourage, but also to exhort us to, to be mindful of the days in which we live. I'll tell you about that night uh, in a little bit more depth. We'd gone there, obviously, to do a mission trip. The last thing we expected was to be broken up into at, the, at, the, at that part of the night and for us, obviously, to be taken the way that we were. Or I, I, I wasn't, but in the way that they were. That's the last thing that we expected. And no one can be ready for that. Do you know what I mean? Let, let's, let's keep it real. No one's ready for that. So, but and no one can really, we can't prepare ourselves for that in the same way. But one of the things that really spoke to my heart that night is that I was darn fearful. The fear that entered my heart that night, um, it woke me up. So like, as I heard, we heard the banging. It happened very quickly. So I heard the banging. So I woke up. Obviously, I mean that you saw my net. So I was was underneath the net and it's darn hot there. So, you know, I weren't fully dressed if you get get my drift. Do you know what I mean? So um, I was like, okay. And... um, all I heard was then all the, the door was going, doof, 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 basically, obviously, and then um, I didn't even, it was quiet apart from the banging. So um, they were, um, basically, for about two or three minutes, I was just sitting there in fear, wondering, what is this, first of all? And secondly, what am I going to do? That was the other thing that was going through my head. You know, I was, I was kind of dagged. So then, I, like I said, I didn't know that people had been taken. I just knew that perhaps we were just being ram-raided, do you know what I mean, for, for, for electrical, uh, you know, we had obviously laptops there and all the rest of it, so maybe for that. And I remember looking out my window and seeing uh, torches and um, obviously the gang, there was about 14 to 17 of them, taking the people that I'd come with, saying, out the gate. And um, then I was like, then it really hit me like, Dag. What you know? What I didn't know what to do. Does that mean? So then I thought I, I, I best put some clothes on because they're coming for me next. So I'm saying. So I, I tried to put some um, shorts on. Um, you know, try and get prepared. I didn't even think about locking my door, but I was just just getting ready to be taken. Basically, that's kind of what I was waiting for for a few moments. And um, and all everything that was going through my head was theology. Ah. Oh. If I get taken, then even if I die, I'm going to go be with the Lord. And you know, all this is going from my head. You know, you're kind of reversing God's word in your head. So, you know, you're pondering on it. You know, do I, do I really believe this? So I'm saying that's kind of what was going from my head. Do I really believe everything that I've been, I've been Christian for 22 years or 23 years. Do I generally believe everything that's going through my head right about now? And that's what was happening. And uh, I knew, obviously, that my friends had been taken. So then I'm like, Dag, I should have gone out. I should have. What, sh- what, what should I have done that I didn't do? You know, you kind of you know, go for the blame game. Like, I should have gone out and tried to protect them. We're talking about 14 guys with machine guns and axes, do you know what I'm saying? So they weren't really giving me much hope. But you kind of have this thing in your head that potentially that's something you should have done. And um, so the minutes seemed like hours. Obviously, when I went out into the hall, into the main, as you saw me uh, teaching there, and you'll see uh, in the last video, um, 
we went in, I went into the hallway. It's pitch black. Obviously, generators lock off. We're in the middle of the creeks. There's just, it's, it's blip, blip, blip. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, I'm a light brother, so they're going to see me. But everybody else, <laughs> you know, there's, there's no hope. You know what I mean? So um, then uh, one of the girls comes in and starts screaming. You know what I'm saying? So they've been taken, they've been taken. Which, obviously, I knew one of them, been, I knew David had been taken because I saw him. I didn't see the others. I'd already been through the gate. So now I was like, okay, cool. Um, but obviously they were trying to reassure me, oh, we know what's going on in the local community. They're just asking for ransom. We'll get them back by tomorrow. You know, obviously all the reassurance starts to happen, but obviously the panic as well. So Johnson, who's one of the brothers, he must have, they must have sent him out to check. The, uh, the generator obviously went off, and they must have sent him out with one of the tor- uh, a torch and the phone to, see, to check the generator because his job was to check the operational size of the, of the complex. So what they had done is that they are beaten him and said, t- t- tell us where the white people are, tell us where the white people are. So then they must, because the way that their bedrooms are, their bedrooms, the front door was here. You'll see on the video anyway, but I'm going to show you after. The bedroom was here, and then there was bed, uh, the front door was here. Then there was bedroom, bedroom, bedroom. Then there was the big room, and then I was on the other side of the house. So they must have got what they needed, and they knew that I was there because they'd, they'd already drugged the boy up in the, in the, in the village, held him up at gunpoint, told him to let us know how to get, them, get, get, get to us. And then they drugged him up and tied him to a pole. So they found him later on in the, in the morning, about 4 o'clock in the morning, which I'll, I'll go to. So, but what happened through that time, uh, the, you know, Pete came in. They, they, they wouldn't let me come out of the room because I didn't know whether they were going to come back. And then they, they got Pete, who was the brother I was uh, on that picture with, to come and basically be with me. Do you know what I mean? So then we spent most of the night praying. Do you know what I mean? Praying, obviously, for their deliverance. Praying for the mission. Just praying. So, I mean, there's nothing else we could do. But I, I must admit, I went through a time of uh, complete bewilderment. Do you know what I mean? Not, not of my faith, do you know what I mean? But bewilderment in terms of what to do next. Do you know what I mean? And uh, one of the dangers is that I think sometimes, I think all of us, I mean, if we, live, we live here in the West, is that um, we can become comfortable and not aware of what might happen next. We don't think about you know, um, obviously being taken in the middle of the night. Of course we don't. And why should we? You know what I mean? We shouldn't be thinking about that. That's not what I'm here to, ta- here to talk about. But we should be mindful all the time of how we live our lives between a, a wonderful and glorious Lord. And that's really the emphasis in which I want to draw today. So if you could turn, to me t- uh, turn with me to John chapter 10. Um, Okay, uh, this is a, a well-used verse, but the, um, John chapter 10 t- and verse 10, it says to us, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. When I was in my, I used to go to a charismatic church um, when I first got saved 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. And this, the emphasis of this verse always seemed to be about just getting more. So, I mean, the Christ has come to give you more. That's what I'm saying. And yes, he has. But, not in, but Christ has come to give us an abundant life now. is in walking with him and knowing what it is to know him. And the thrust of what I want to share today as an, uh, an encouragement to us is, you know, as verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth life to his sheep. And like... Many of us have tasted that the Lord is good, He's merciful. We sung some wonderful songs about the goodness and the mercy of God and how it compels us to love Him. But one of the things that has really spoken to my heart over the course of this time is that 
love has action. It compels us to love him in a way that is truly evidenced in our lives. And many of you know this. I know this. I've known this. We've known this. But let's be honest. Many of us, or some of us, or even maybe one of us, have struggled in showing our appreciation, dedication, and complete lives to a loving, gracious, and wonderful God. So, no, Lord willing, uh, the Lord can use this to at least still a passion and a hunger for that to happen in our lives to those who haven't. And for those that have, praise God, man, continue and press on. Um, so that's the purpose, really. Is that I'm not trying to say that nobody's not pressing on and loving the Lord. I'm not here to, 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 to put on a label of condemnation. I'm just saying, look, come on, brethren. Let's, let's press on to perfection. He's a glorious God. Let us love him with all our hearts. So I'm saying everything to the point where we're just consumed and it, it, it overspills into other people's lives. Like when they meet us, it's like, Dad, I'm so glad I met you. Why? Because the abundant life of Christ has touched me today. So I mean, that we ain't talking about you know, this, that, and the other. Of course, we can talk about the things of life that we can enjoy, but surely Christ is the very essence that when we meet that person, you're like, Dad, I met so and so, you know, I, could, I was so refreshed by meeting them. Why? Because he's consumed with Jesus Christ and the love of God that is consumed towards me. So I mean, so we're not, we're not talking about like putting on an hysteria. I'm just, just putting, may our hearts be stirred with a holy passion for a wonderful God. So that's um, the essence. So if you could turn to us to uh, John chapter 15. Because one of the things I noticed when I was there is that the people who work up with the mission, not all of them, but many of the people who work with the mission there are in the communities. They have given up everything. I mean, they have hardly anything anyway. Do you know what I mean? But even the little that they have, for the sake of the work, they've given up everything. And to be honest, to be with them, it's just a humbling experience. You know when you're with somebody and you're just humbled by their presence, a godly brother or a godly sister, you're just humbled by their presence. And that was a big lesson for me. You know, you go there thinking you're going to be able to offer somebody something. Like, I'm going there like I'm going to teach them. And really, they, just te- they, told me, they taught me a whole sermon, sermon for eight days. So I'm saying, I just taught them a little dibby-dibby something here and there. But they taught me a whole sermon. With their lives, it just spoke to me, like, from start to finish. So, you know, I'm just saying that we also can be living epistles and testimonies that we can speak to other people's lives in the same way, in our context and our environment in which we live. Because obviously, our environment is different. So we don't have to copy their environment, but the environment where we're in, let us be an epistle. So I'm saying, you know, not just, not just a verse. We don't have to be a verse. We can be a whole book. So I mean, so that's the kind of, the, 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 what I'm trying to compel myself initially, obviously, because I'm speaking, I have that responsibility. But I think us as brothers and sisters. So uh, John chapter 15, verses 9 to 12, it tells us, um, as the Father has loved me, So have I loved you. Continue, therefore, in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you, that your joy, like you were saying to me, brother, that your joy might be full. Why do many times do we not have joy? Many times we don't have joy is because we're not really obeying the commandments. That's where we lose joy is because we don't keep the commandments. Obviously, our joy is in him. I'm not talking a, a salvation by works here. I'm just saying we lose joy when we don't obey the Lord. Where we know we should, 
I'm not about the things we don't know. I'm not about the things we do know when we know we should and we choose not to. Our joy goes. We know it. We all know it. I stand here. I know it. So I mean. And it says, um, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth, but I have called you my you friends. For all, your, all, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. We serve a wonderful God. He made everything, and he does make everything known to us, not only through the context of the text, but through how he walks. All of us hear his voice. Those who know him, we hear his voice. I know just yesterday the times where I heard his voice and I obeyed. I also know the times yesterday when I heard his voice and maybe didn't. But as we continue to grow in that love and affection towards him, we can't but... Uh, but obey his voice. It's kind of like, you just get that joy, like it says. You feel joy. We know we need to do something that the Lord asks us to do, and you're like, woo! You, know, you can feel it inside, man. You can feel the fact that you've obeyed your loving Savior. Not as a means that he's just pleased with you, as, a, you know, as in as if he, wouldn't, if he wasn't going to be pleased with you, he's going to whoop you. Uh, but I mean, just that you know that there's a joy in obeying Christ. It just is. That's the whole point of the believer. Our joy is in that. And I want all of us, including myself, to experience the joy of walking with God. It's a blessing. It's incredible. And it also touches other people's lives and draws many people to him. So I mean, so uh, if we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, One Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're just going to read from verses um, 2 down to 11. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then shall sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, be not in the darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. For you and we are the children of light, and the children of the day, not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us be watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken, are drunken in the night. Now, I'm a taxi driver. I, I work Uber. Yeah, I'm one of them dudes. So, like, um, <laughs> so I, I do Uber. So, I don't do the night shift anymore because I've done with the whole drunken thing. It just done my head in. So like, but one of the things I used to do nights, and one of the things I had to face was obviously lots of drunks. And they sometimes haven't even got a clue what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing because they're just drunk. That's what I'm saying. So, and it's a sad place to see that we live in a society where fulfillment obviously comes from intoxication to the point where we have to escape the world that we live in. That's the reason why obviously people get drunk. It's not just for enjoyment. It's for escapism. So I mean, but we're not of that. And it goes on to say this. It says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. What shall we do? Therefore, comfort each other with these words. And edify one another. So we should edify one another and comfort each other. Spur one another on. 
to love and good works, spur one another on to live in a way that is holy and worthy of his name. And it's the love of Christ that compels us, not the fear of condemnation or the fear of judgment. It's the love of God that compels us to live for him. We sing the songs, yeah, and we should, and amen. The worship is wonderful, by the way, today, man, bless the Lord. Um, but we let, it, let that be a reality in our lives where it compels us to live a life that is worthy of him. You know, that, you know that's the real thirst, as you can probably get in the theme, because... Well, that night when everything happened, and as I reflect on everything that happened, I mean, I, I've been you know, walking with the Lord and, 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 and doing my best, and, 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 and I love him with all my heart, and obviously trust in his grace and all the rest of it for, for, for many, many years. Um, but one of the things that really spoke to me is that the scriptures are, have a recurring theme of the Lord coming and he's talking, when he's talking to Matthew, he's talking to his servants. He ain't talking to, to unsaved people here. He's if, if you know when my servant come up. So he's, he's making us ready. Like, are you ready for my coming? Because he's coming for a spotless bride. Yes, we're spotless in him. But if we're just like living amok, do you know what I'm saying? And just claiming Christ through grace alone, through, safe, uh, through faith alone. That's a dangerous road for any saint to live on. Do I mean? So if, just a couple of more texts. Uh, if we uh, go to Revelation chapter 3. Oh, sorry, bro. Yeah, second Peter 3. Thank you. That's what I need, Robert, man. Uh, me and that technology thing. Uh, second Peter 3. And uh, we're going to read from verses 1 to 6. It's up on there. Okay. So one of the things as I was looking at, the I mean, I, obviously we could exhaust the text. There's loads of texts that talk about exactly the same thing. But I've just, just cherry-picked just a few just to see the, the recurring theme. Not only Jesus spoke about, but these disciples. And this is recurring theme that comes in the, up in the text. So it tells us in uh, Revelation, uh, sorry, 2 Peter uh, 3, verses 10 to 13. I'm going to be 14 as well to go with it. but um, Okay. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away, in which a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth shall also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be? Not the unsaved, us. What manner of persons should we, what should we be? In all holiness of conversation or behavior uh, and godliness, Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall, being of fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing ye look for such things, be diligent that you be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. That's what Peter tells us. So, again, and I need to bring the, the balance. I'm not saying that we have to be perfect. We're perfect in him. I'm not saying that God's looking for perfection in, 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 in all of our goings. But it's a heart that's perfect towards God. A heart that is totally given over to our Lord and Savior. And that is, you know, you know your heart. I don't know your hearts. I know my own heart. So the question I'm asking all of us 
is, is our heart perfect towards God? Not are we perfect, but is our heart perfect towards God? Are we genuinely, when we wake up, are we genuinely like, Lord, I couldn't do this without you. Let's do this today. Do you know what I'm saying? Is it when I'm going from a day, oh, Dad, I can't do this without you. Let me help me, help me today. It's like everything is on the Lord, and we're just really walking with him. When, when, when a girl walks past, and we're like, Dad, I'm tempted to look. Whoop, nah, I love the Lord. That's, that's real Christianity. That's where, that's where it matters. I'm just keeping it real. I'm a taxi driver. I'm always seeing stuff. I have to watch where I put my eyes. We all do. Do you know what I'm saying? So, or if a, if, a, if a man is, you know, being overly emotional and touching on a woman's heart, it's like, well, hold on. Am I going to allow that to happen? No, I'm going to hold my heart for the Lord. So we're just talking about generally day-to-day practical stuff is an evidence of when we walk with our Savior and we all face it in different shapes and forms. To a man, and, one, and we'll get into that later when I'm going ahead of myself. So I'm going to miss out the uh, Revelation. Uh, uh, we'll do Revelation 3, 1 to 6, but I'm going to miss out 16, bro. Is that okay? So Revelation chapter 3, if we go there. Um, and this obviously, this is Jesus talking to the church. And I know, brothers and sisters, that all of us are familiar with the text. I'm not preaching anything new up here, you know. But the Bible, like I said, encourages us and exhorts us to remind ourselves. So uh, Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 6. Obviously, he's, he's, uh, this is Jesus speaking to the church here in Sardis. Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that thou hast a name that has, uh, liveth and thou art, and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore you shall not watch, I will come to thee as a thief, and, shall, and thou shalt not know the hour that I will come unto thee. Thou hast a few names even inside this which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I shall not blot his name out of the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, the Spirit says to the churches. So again, Jesus again is exhorting the church of Christ just to be ready. That's what I'm saying. So just that, that readiness, but again, let me re- re-emphasize what I'm trying to say. The readiness has to come out of a genuine love for the Lord. Otherwise, we just do it as a means to, out of fear. And there is no fear in love. The love of God compels us. I can't but obey and love my Lord. And this, therefore, help me each day. I need your grace. You know what I'm saying? Because we do not know when he comes. None of us, none of us, including me standing here, even more so now and standing up here, none of us want to be found like, 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 I'm going to tuck that under my little shirt. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord, I hope you don't see that. You know what I'm saying? So none of us want to be there. And I've been there in my own Christian walk where I've just been putting things up my sleeve. Yo, yo, don't, don't touch that. I'm walking right here, but I'm holding that one up my sleeve because if man and man sees that, they ain't, ain't going to look too good. Do you know what I mean? So we don't want to be in that place. It's not a nice place to be. I know because I've been there. It's a horrible place to be. Your peace is gone. You have to start faking it. Everything, the life of Christ just comes out of you. And then you have to put on this provide to make everybody look like everything's okay. But when you're free and your conscience is clear and you know as far as you do know that you're walking with the Lord as much as you can, just, you know, just in a perfectness of heart, then there's that clarity, that's that clearness of heart and mind. And you know that you're walking with the Lord. And that peace comes and that joy comes. It's like a river. 
You can't, it just, just flows in you. That's what I want for all of us, including myself, that that is a reality in all of our lives. And I guarantee that people will see your lives and be around you and go, Dag, that old Christian question, there's something about you. What is it? Oh, Dag. Then we, can, we have confidence and freedom to express the love of God with somebody. And they have freedom to receive it because they've already seen it. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, I'm going to miss that Revelation 16 one out, bro. It's okay. Um, okay. So the scriptures that I've shown you, shared with you already this morning really have to do with warning. Initially, it's warning, warning, warning. Be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. There's just that readiness that he's trying to teach us. So I want to flip that and say, well, what, what men ought we to be then? So I want to bring the, the hope. Oh, obviously, we know to be ready. But how do we prepare ourselves for his coming? So if we turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 6, chapter 12, and we're just going to read from verses 1 to 4. What does it tell us? Again, these are familiar texts, but let's, let's marinate in our bones for a while. Therefore, obviously we've just read chapter 11. We've just seen the whole heroes of faith, and we've just realized that them heroes of faith have gone through a whole heap of suffering. Let's not pretend like they were living it up. So, I mean, they went through a whole heap of drama, but still remained faithful to the promise that God had given to them. Then he says, therefore, seeing we also are compassed with such a great cloud of witnesses that we've just read in verse 11, uh, chapter 11, sorry, let us lay aside, sorry, let us lay okay, let us lay aside every weight, every weight and sin that so easily does beset us. Brethren, you know what they are. I know what my weight is. You know what your weight is. Every single one of us have a different weight. To one man, it's anger. To the next man, it's lust. To the next man, it's covetousness. To me, it was covetousness. I mean, I, I, you know, there's a couple of brothers in here who know me more than you guys do. I, I love cars. I was running through cars like man's were running through Haribo. I mean, until the Lord, until the Lord had to deal with me, that's what I'm saying, about the, about the issue. And all of us have different areas in our lives where we know it's a besetting sin. But the Bible tells us, let's lay it aside. Jesus ain't going to do it for us. We have to do it. We have to lay it aside. We need to put it off. And then what happens? Then we see the joy of Christ work through our lives. So I'm just exhorting us. That's what the scriptures are teaching us. Let us lay aside the weight. But why? Because it says... um, and let us run with patience, i.e. long-suffering, darn, no, we know that to be true, the race that is set before us. Looking unto who? Looking unto Jesus. For he is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, the joy, bear in mind, that was set before him, enjoyed, enjoyed the cross, despising the shame, and it sat down now at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we be wearied and faint in our own minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You see this labor that we, Christ gives us the power. He saved us. He's put his spirit in us. And many of us know in our own personal walks that when we have, like, when we have literally you know, put off that sin, we feel the liberty of Christ flooding our lives. 
as I've said already again and again, and I'm not mindful about saying it again and again, because that's the desire that we can put off the weight that so easily beset us. And like I said before, you already know what it is. I know what mine are. You already know what yours are. Let's put them off, brethren. Let's just put them off. So, nah, I'm not having them anymore. Off you go. Off you go. I love the Lord. Come on. Pressing on. Long suffering. Long suffering. Patience. Patience. Every day is a new day. Every day is a war. It's a war. We know it. When we wake up in the morning, first of all, we've got the Lord with us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Secondly, we're going out to war. And if we ain't going out to war practically, we're going out to war in here. It's a war. So what are we going to do? We know the Bible says to put every thought captive. But we don't always think about that scripture throughout the day. Practicalities come to us. And then we have a decision. What are we going to do with that? Put that down. Put that down. But why? Because we love the Lord. That's the only motivation. Not because we fear that he's going to come and whack us with a stick. We love him. We can't but, but put it down. And that's the exaltation. Come on, brethren. Let us lay aside those things. And those who are already doing it, praise God, man. Come talk to me. So I'm saying, because amen, we should encourage one another. Or go talk to somebody else. So I'm saying. Um, so if we can turn to um, Colossians chapter 3. I'm, I'm doing all right for time, huh? Okay, you got that look on. That means I'm not doing good for time. Okay, we're going to hurry up. Colossians chapter 3. Um Okay, sorry. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, if then we be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Let us set our affection on things above and not on the things of this earth. We live on this earth. We've got practicalities on this earth. But let us set our minds on the things of above. I.e. just practically living for the Lord amongst the practical things. We have them. We need them. We need to use them. But let us not set our hearts on them. They're just tools. So I'm saying, like one uh, preacher said, I think it's one, I always quote it. Many of the things that we have are wonderful servants, but they're terrible masters. So I'm saying. And let's put them where they need to be. The computer is a servant, but when it masters us, it's darn bad. The iPhone, wonderful servant, to many of us, is a terrible master. So I'm saying. So let's, let's put those things aside and let's put them in their proper place. It says, for we, are dead, uh, uh, for we are dead and your life is now hid with Christ. So I'll skip some stuff out, uh, not as uh, negating the text, but just to focus on a couple of things. Therefore, the Bible clearly teaches us that what we're to do, then we're to put off, mortify, therefore, verse 5, the members that are which are upon the earth. We're to put off fornication. So we'll put off sex before marriage. We'll put off the, the, the porn from the computer. We're to put off all them other things that know that draw... Uh, particularly a man, into those areas, but to put them off. Then what does it tell us to do? It tells us to um, uncleanness, which is basically the same type of thing. Inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, basically just desiring basically sex, sex, sensuality and sexual sin. And covetousness, which is what? Idolatry? I, used to, I was, I'll be honest with you, with the whole carting, I was, they were idols to me. I'd be, I'm an auto trader. Yo, yo, what am I going to get next, man? Going to cause a financial problem. Don't matter. I need that car. It was, it was idolatry. So I'm saying I was worshipping cars. Do you know what I mean? And I had to put it off. And now I can have a happy home. Now I don't have to be having beef with my wife now because, because she's rightly telling me about this car, the next car, and, and Tom, Dick, and Harry. 
so um, then it goes on to say, um, but ye also put off, we also, what are we to put off? We're to put off um, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouths. Lie not one one's never seen me put off the old man. We're to put these things off. These, you know, God is so wonderful because he practically tells us the things that we need to put off. So he's telling us to lay aside every sin. But which ones? Oh, these ones, just put them off. And then what does he, no, the, the word of God's beautiful because then he says, but therefore, verse 12, as the elect of God and the holy beloved, put on what? Mercies, bowls of mercies towards our brothers and sisters and those who are in Christ. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing with one another. And we have to forbear with one another. Many of us come from many different backgrounds, many different places. And when we come together, we have to pretend like it all works. That's what I'm saying. And sometimes it doesn't all work. So therefore, what does the Bible tell us to do? Forbear. That's what it tells us to do. We're to forbear with one another. And obviously, we, we do that with long-suffering, because that's what it takes. And forgiving one another, if any man has a quarrel against them, even as Christ has also forgiven ye. And above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectionness. It's beautiful. That it, the love of God, we know what Corinthians 13 says about it. We're not going to do, do all that. But again, it tells us. So if we move to uh, Colossians, uh, Galatians chapter 5. It's the, same, you know, it's the same theme. And we know that the epistles, we see that much of the, you know, we, with all the epistles, we have this thing where the first three or four chapters is doctrine, doctrine, theology, theology. And then we get to the last couple of chapters and he starts talking about practical stuff like, yo, this is how you need to work it out then. And uh, I think the danger in all of our circles is that we focus on so much on what we know, we kind of forget about what we need to live. And the Bible talks about both. And each letter really addresses each issue you know, periodically uh, throughout each epistle. So it says in chapter 5, verse 16 to 26, it tells us, um, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I remember back in the day when I came from a charismatic movement, I had this kind of lofty motion of walking in the spirit. It was kind of like, you know, you just hear this wonderful voice from God, you know, and you kind of float and you need to obey it. But it's just in the simple things, just the practical stuff. It says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. Do we not know that? Yes, we do. So that we cannot do the things that we would. But if we be led of the spirit, we are not under the law. For the works of the flesh are manifest in what we've spoken about. Adultery and fornication and cleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, various, and the list goes on. But the fruit of the Spirit is in what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against these things there's no such law. So what am I just saying? Again, the Bible, again, is reiterating the importance of putting off to put on. Do you know what I mean? I'll give you a, 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 a bit of humor. I was wondering what I was going to wear today. This is, I don't, are you, you know, so I was thinking, ah, oh, I should have put on a hoodie that had like, like a good gospel message on it and all this, all this kind of stuff. This is what I was thinking, I was thinking the Lord, well, I wasn't necessarily the Lord, it was just me, it's like, well, that would be just a bit daft because you don't normally wear that to church. So just put on what you normally wear, just because you're in a different environment, you shouldn't dress any different. But we have that same thing in the spirit. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't normally do that, so why am I going to do that in this environment? We should just walk in the spirit wherever we are. We don't have to put on nothing. This ain't no Sunday best thing. We just have to make sure that each day we try and do what we can in terms of obeying the scripture. And the Lord is gracious. He only shows us where we are. If we're a young Christian, he doesn't give us a massive load. He just teaches us slowly what we need to do. If we're more mature in the faith, there's a bigger responsibility, and therefore he tells us more stuff. That's just how it is. Um... 
Okay, so drawing it to a close, um, the whole theme, really, from what the Lord taught me through while I was away and everything that happened, and I'm, and I'm going to go a little bit more in depth with the video we're going to play in a sec. Have we got time for that? Um, is that we have a responsibility to allow the love of God to compel us to live for him. That's it. And that I'm aware that Christ is going to come as a thief in the night. I don't care what your theology is. He's coming when we don't know. Yeah. So he's going to come. And he's looking for a spotless bride. Now, the danger sometimes with theology is that we can just put our hope and a pin just on the fact that grace alone, through, grace alone, uh, through grace alone, through faith alone. But faith has works. Faith is a doing word. If we have faith, we naturally walk in a way that is honorable before him. It provokes us because faith is real. Abraham didn't just believe God and everything was all gravy. He got up from where he needed to go and, walk and did what he needed to do. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same way with us. So I'm just encouraging us and motivating us, including obviously myself primarily first and all of us. Let us live worthy of the calling in which we've been called. It's a wonderful calling, a wonderful calling. Let us live a life that is worthy of the calling that has been given to us by the mercy of God. So just, uh, I'll just read one of the sexes, bro. From one, if we just turn to 1, Corinthians, 1 Timothy 6.12. Um, uh, <clears throat> and it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, wherein you have been called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let's lay hold of it, brethren. Let's lay hold of it. Fight the good fight of faith. Each day is a fight. Let's, let us enjoy the fight, knowing that the Lord is with us through every step of the battle. Um, so that's what I wanted to share. Just as uh, 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 Robert gets uh, to play the last of the video. The video that I'm going to show now is about four minutes long. It's basically about the aftermath. So obviously, our brothers and sisters were in captivity for three weeks. And I can't even begin to, um, to, to tell you everything that they went through during those three weeks. Ian, my beloved brother, he was shot on day one. But the testimony, uh, okay, I'll let you play it and I'll talk about it after. You know, there be some, might need some volume on it, though. Is when you, is when you, there's nobody money. Thank you. So this is. Um, oh, you can go to. Can't move it on. Okay, my bad. So um, we were going to move it on. So some of it is going to be just again stuff that you've already seen in terms of what the mission is about. So I'll kind of talk to you about it while you're kind of watching it in the background. So. Um, Basically, they went through a massive atrocities while they were there. They went through some deep stuff. But the Lord really kept them. And there's a massive testimony that three of them have been released. Um, and I say one brother lost his life. The tail end of this video shows, uh, first of all, initially the morning. Because the community, obviously, they've been going for many years. So the community had invested in what they were doing there. Uh, and, and was very much, uh, you know, about. So you'll see, like in the video, some mourning of the community, uh, the doors in which were broken, and how, and, and obviously the evidence of those, uh, and also what's happened uh, to the gang leaders uh, since everything's happened.
because this is when we were there. So this is the, um, it, was a, it was a flooding season, so that's why obviously there was so much rain and stuff. So. Yeah, this is why we was going into the local community for a meeting. For But actually, the community we went into, the actual gang was from this community. So they must have seen us. I've inquired how to get to us. And then, so uh, on the same night, the community uh, arrested the parents of the gang leader. And they were held in one of the prisons there. Obviously, their prisons are not the same as ours. But they were held there throughout the whole duration of the time um, that the brothers and sisters were in captivity. So... Uh, as a means to try and negotiate their release. So. But um, they were eventually released, uh, but the Nigerian authorities uh, paid 10 million pounds to release them. Yeah. But uh, a lot has happened since then as well. So. So that's it, that's it. But I mean, just to say, he was shot uh, to a one bullet wound to the head. Uh, so he was killed instantly. But um, he was killed while worshiping the Lord. I mean, he was literally standing up and singing Amazing Grace. Uh, and while he was singing Amazing Grace, they wanted him to be, to shut up. And he wouldn't shut, shut up because he wanted to encourage them that were in captivity and then they shot him in the head. So this is the community morning for These are the doors, and obviously when they're broken. <coughs> uh, yeah, banging there. Yeah.
I mean, they, they, they uh, Ian, was in, Ian was in the first room, so he didn't get time to, to well, I don't know, I don't think he got time to lock his room. The others heard the banging and realized what was happening, and they locked their rooms, but obviously the entry was quite easy, obviously with the access and stuff like that, so. They deliberately kept quiet uh, because they knew that resist, they knew what was happening. They've been going there for 14, 15 years, so they knew that what they needed to, they needed to be compliant, so I mean, so. So I don't know, some of you may have seen it in the news. It was, um, we had to withhold it for three weeks while obviously the embassy and everything else was involved, while they were still in captivity because the news couldn't be released. Um, but after that, um, obviously the news and stuff started to, to come out and stuff. So. So um, just to give you why these, these pictures are showing, um, the mission naturally, while they were in captivity, when they got released, the gang leaders had already put a, a, a death threat on all the people in the mission, especially Victory, the superintendent, because they felt as if he'd given information and the chairman of the community. So what they had already done is uh, killed one person, took off his head, and then pervaded it around the village as a means to say, look, don't ram because this is what's going to happen. So I mean, so um, they'd already done that to create fear, obviously, within the communities. Um, so therefore, we had to close the mission for uh, for a month. Uh, as the date's just gone by, it's, it's just it's just reopened. They felt led to reopen it. Um, but the day it was reopened, and they felt led to reopen it, uh, is the day that the uh, the gang leader was uh, was captured. Um, and even though I'm not happy about its end, he was killed, and the rest of the gang members were killed also. Um, and there's no rejoicing in that because obviously they've they've gone to, they've been sentenced to an eternity. So I mean, um, but yeah, this is the gentleman. I mean, he's a scrawny little man uh, in terms of size and stature, but he was definitely a very wicked and evil man. And he had four, 15 to 17 guys underneath him who were big stature of men and age, and he controlled them men. I mean, when he walked into the fray, they were silent. No one would speak. Everyone would sit down, fold their arms. Nobody would say nothing. Obviously, they were all on cocaine, drugs, and everything else. But when he entered the fray, everything changed because he was a, a very evil man, and therefore what he was capable of, and they knew they didn't want to mess with. So um, I don't know whether, whether time-wise whether it's okay, but if, I don't know if anyone's got any questions or anything they want to ask in relevance to the testimony or the message or, or, or anything. And I'll, um, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm happy to answer any questions that anybody may have. Um, so has anybody got any? So, um, just to, 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 to just to finish it off, then is that um, since they reopened the clinic, uh, three people have genuinely come come, come to Christ, uh, and now uh, David and Shirley feel led of the Lord to um, totally give up their lives. Like they can't go in the same way as they had before, but to give up their lives in terms of writing and uh, a discipleship program and means of teaching, because one of the issues I have there is teaching. Of it's too lofty because some of the books that get sent there are lofty books and they can't really access them, or the teaching is just erroneous. So they've really dedicated their lives to you know put teaching into those that generally get converted, and um, you know uh, creating an infrastructure with those that are on the ground to be able to teach and to example 
obviously our lives in terms of drawing people to Christ. So a wonderful testimony has come. And obviously we see in the scriptures that it says that as one seed, we, we are speaking obviously of Christ, as one seed goes down and obviously many, it, it, it brings opportunity for, to, for the flourishing of much more. And as Ian losing his life the way that he did, and the testimony of him losing his life as, as a Christian martyr, you know, he lost his life for the sake of Christ. Um, we have seen already in a short period of time people come to Christ and just a more seriousness and a more soberness of the mission there and also of our hearts uh, here. So, yeah. Yeah, amen. Let's pray. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.